Just 118 days to go. This is the moment. This is the tipping point. This is a transformational time for the country. Every single thing that that you believe that is great and exceptional about America is now hanging in the balance in 118 days. In 27 days, that's why I release Live Free or Die, America and the World on the Brink. And in Latin, live free or America dies. Because you need to know what's at stake here. Now, this is how bad it has become today. You've got left-wing House Democrats. They are now pushing national legislation to defund the police. Now, stop and think about this. You've got the squad. The legislation would defund the police. Also set up reparations for African-Americans harmed by cops. Uh, and they're calling it the Breathe Act. They published it online. It will slash federal funding to police along with federal agencies and spend the money on social welfare, health care, education, environmental programs. I have a simple fundamental question. Who are you going to call? Because we see that lawlessness is spiraling out of control in every big major city. By the way, one thing they all have in common is that they've all been run by liberal Democrats for decades, whether it's New York City, whether it's Chicago, whether it's Seattle, whether it's Portland, whether it's Los Angeles, whether it's Atlanta. Why, did, why didn't they stop? You know, they, they had, remember, where the Rayshard Brooks incident took place. Remember, we showed on TV how many weeks ago? We saw guys with AR-15s. They took over full city or two blocks there. That's where that eight-year-old got killed. Why didn't the mayor of Atlanta, why didn't she do something and, and, and allow people to take over a part of her city? Why didn't, the, why didn't the mayor of Seattle, Horace Lorenzo Anderson Jr., 19 years old, the cops and the medics had to beg, please let us in so we can offer medical attention. I thought it was the summer of love zone. I thought it was the spaghetti potluck dinner zone. I thought CNN, fake news, and MSDNC were telling us if it's a festive zone. Even while live on TV getting corrected by the anarchists that took over city blocks and took over a police precinct. Want to know how the police are reacting? 809 cops have filed for retirement compared to 287 during the same time last year. That's a thousand less officers to keep up. New York City safe and battle gun violence. That, that's skyrocketing. And, t- and there's no police academy class in sight. Less officers means less safety, less security. Well, okay, so if you look at lawlessness, it's the Democratic Party. They're not the party of law and order and safety and security. I would argue that there is no freedom. There is no pursuit of happiness if you can't be safe and secure in your own neighborhood. Well, that would represent Chicago and that would represent all these cities that I'm mentioning. The only way I know to, to handle this is to have better training, more non-lethal options available for police and more police officers, not less. Better police community relations. I think almost every department we're talking about is now majority minority in terms of the racial makeup of the police departments. And now we've got Joe Biden. He says he's for amnesty. 
Never heard Joe Biden talk out against the violence that's going on. The thousand cops now that have been, you know, injured, the eight that have been murdered, the one that's paralyzed, the thousand that are hit with bricks and, and rocks and bottles and Molotov cocktails. Now we've got the Democratic Party in the House. They want national legislation to defund the police. Oh, okay. How do you think that's going to end? How is that going to work out for people? We know where Joe stands on foreign policy. If it benefits Hunter, great. By the way, as I told you, Hunter Biden might have resigned from the board of that company that got the $1.5 billion in that China deal uh, with the Bank of China. Guess what? He's got 10% of the holdings. He just hasn't cashed him in yet. He will. It's like he got the money in the millions from Ukraine with zero experience. We know what Joe Biden stands on the new Green Deal. He supports it. AOC is, is on the committee, you know, to offer policy suggestions to Joe Biden. Well, no, now Joe Biden has spoken and he's out there today. Now, you're going to think when you first hear this, Hannity, you're making this up. We need proof. We need to hear it for ourselves. Well, I've got the proof and I'll get to that in a second. But now Joe Biden clearly has staked out a position that if he wins... In 118 days, remember, he, Pelosi, and Schumer have 125 years combined experience of failure in the swamp. He now says, with a broad sweeping generalization, police have become the enemy. And absolutely, we should defund the police. He said this in an interview today with his leftist public, the publication called This Now. He said that police are over-militarized, that they, quote, have become the enemy, said funding should absolutely be reallocated elsewhere. Okay, let me interpret that for you. Good luck, you're on your own. Because who are you going to call? Who is going to protect the six, seven, and eight-year-old children that have been killed just in recent days? Who's going to protect grandma and grandpa? Who's going to protect moms that are home alone with their young children? Well, maybe dad's out working. You know, what, what we're going to have, everybody's just going to have to arm yourself and it's going to be the Wild West? You know, what is your answer? Okay, just three weeks ago, Biden was claiming he did not support the defund the police effort. Let's listen to the ever forgetful the corrupt Joe Biden, in his own words, the police have become the enemy and we should defund them. Uh, surplus military equipment for law enforcement. They don't need that. The last thing you need is an up-armored Humvee coming into a neighborhood. It's like the military invading. They don't know anybody. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point is but that... Do we agree that we can redirect some of the funding? Yes. Okay, they become the enemy. We can redirect some of the funding. Okay, he's now totally given in to the radical, extreme, left-wing, you know, anarchists that represent the modern Democratic Socialist Party. What do they want? Open borders and amnesty. What do they want? Sanctuary states and cities. What do they want? They want to defund the police. What do they want to spend the money on? He said he's advocating for defunding of law enforcement, even as crime is now literally skyrocketing all across the country. And if you're interested in the breakdown demographically, I can look at New York City as one example. Now, it's the 8th of July. It's not the whole month. But in New York City, all of July shooting victims have been minorities. 
in the month of June that was very violent, 97% of the shootings of shooting victims in New York City were minorities. So now it's he's bragging about higher taxes, bragging about his Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is estimated to co- cost $94 trillion over 10 years. It will eliminate oil and gas and coal, the lifeblood of our economy. He will now make us energy dependent once again, where for the first time in 75 years, we are independent. You know, he will, will, will the largest producer of energy in the world, that will end. He's going to go along with this. Everything is free, free pre-child, K, pre-K tuition, forgiveness of student loans, guaranteed government job, guaranteed government healthy food, guaranteed government health care, guaranteed government retirement, guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed. I have one little question. How are you going to pay for it? Will somebody please give him, take away his abacus and bring him into modern technology and maybe give him a calculator because it doesn't add up. Every time these policies have been tried, I have a whole chapter in Live Free or Die, and that is socialism, a history of failure. It's never succeeded. Never once. And that is the Democrats 2020 agenda. Now it's police are the enemy. Defund them. Who are you going to call when when violent people are on the streets of your city or your town? Is I know there's been criticism of this St. Louis couple after a group of people, you know, break down the gate in their community and are threatening this couple with violence and they're going to kill their dog and they're going to live in this room. They're telling the couple in that room when I interviewed them. And, and, and let's be honest here. I mean, Joe Biden, I, I, I don't particularly see him as somebody that has the strength, the stamina and the, let's say, mental alertness to be president of the United States. Well, it was OK to ask Reagan that question in 84. You know, Joe Biden said the other day, we're going to transform our economy, uh, transform our country. What, what, define that for us. I guess we know what it is. It's confiscation of wealth. It's redistribution of wealth. It's the Green New Deal. It's socialism on steroids. It's guaranteed to fail. Now he's saying today we need to rewrite our economy. Listen to this. We're going to have a breathtaking opportunity to create good paying union jobs. Deliver the promise of America to Americans who've been denied it for much too long. To rewrite our economy. So the prosperity flows not just to CEOs, but the workers who actually build the country. Hey, Joe, you and Barack had eight years. You, Pelosi and Schumer had a combined 125 years. Your eight years as vice president. We have the statistics. My audience understands it. Bear with me. 13 million more Americans on food stamps after eight years of you and Barack, Joe. We have eight million more in poverty after eight years as you as vice president. We had the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, Joe. We had the worst recovery since the 40s, Joe. We had the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years, Joe. And we also, you and Barack, accumulated more debt than all 43 presidents uh, combined. You have a record. Now, Trump, he has record, too. He shattered every record low unemployment that ever happened. Remember, you told us these manufacturing jobs are never coming back. Well, they came back under Trump. And we got better trade deals and we became energy independent and we became the 
the largest oil producer in the world, and record low after record low after record low unemployment. African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. And by the way, he knocked off the caliphate that you and Barack couldn't knock off. He's not going to give mullahs in Iran $150 billion. And he also took out Baghdadi. He took out Soleimani. He took out the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. And he pulled us out of the, you know, never-ending wars that, you, that people start and then say never mind about. And when we come back, we actually have Biden. He literally today forgot his own proposal while reading from the teleprompter. Wow. That's like impossible. But you want to know what's at stake in 118 days? Joe Biden saying police have become the enemy. Absolutely, we should defund them and that that money should be reallocated elsewhere. That's Joe. Now, let's see how long it is before the media races to a defense. He didn't mean what he really said. And we'll see how long they send out a clarification with this dopey campaign of his. Well, you know, it's these are troubling times. If they win, let me put it this way. The America you knew, know and grew up in, the land of hope and opportunity that so many around the world want to come to, it'll be unrecognizable in the sense that all freedom is gone. This country has accumulated more power, abused it less, and used it to advance the human condition because of freedom. We're not perfect, but no country has, has, has ever done what America's done in terms of its greatness and American exceptionalism. It's only because of freedom. So now we know that Joe Biden wants to transform the country. He hasn't defi- we know he's now beginning to define it. He's now saying he wants to rewrite our economy. Okay, we know what that means. Then he says, this is Biden in this interview, saying that the police are over-militarized and, quote, have become the enemy and funding should, quote, absolutely be reallocated elsewhere. In other words, defunding law enforcement across the country. Don't defund, you know, he was just saying in an op-ed for USA Today, don't defund police. Uh, He said support reforms. It's not what he said today. I'm sure the spinning in the mob and the media, they're going to be in overdrive to try and defend this. Then he forgot his own proposal, and I'll get to this after the news at the bottom of the hour, while actually reading from a teleprompter and then insisting, oh, this is taking too much time to explain his own proposal. And by the way, he's in that beautiful scene. He comes out of his basement bunker with the birds chirping in the background. I mean, where it's one cluster shift after another um, in terms of, you know, just even the quality of the thing. So it's the new Green Deal. It's higher taxes. It's more Obamacare on steroids and and Medicare for all. It's defund the police. It's uh, amnesty. It's sanctuary United States of America. It's uh, literally no uh, more dependence on oil and gas, the lifeblood of the world's economy. It's a promise that can never be kept. Everything's free, free, free. And you wonder why I have a sense of urgency that if you live in Florida, if you live in Georgia, North Carolina, if you live in Ohio, Pennsylvania, if you live in Michigan, Wisconsin uh, or Minnesota, if you live in Arizona, if you live in Nevada, New Mexico, New Hampshire, the second congressional district of Maine, you better go out and vote in 118 days, because if he wins, that's your future. Uh, Thank you very much. I'm not so inclined. 
All right, live free or die, that's it. America and the world on the brink. Hannity.com. So Biden comes out and speak. He said, speaks. He said over the weekend he wants to transform America. Now we're getting some of the details. We just played for you. Biden saying we'll play it again. He wants to rewrite our economy. Listen. We're going to have a breathtaking opportunity to create good-paying union jobs, to deliver the promise of America to Americans who've been denied it for much too long, to rewrite our economy so the prosperity flows not just to CEOs, but to workers who actually build the country. Rewrite our economy. Transform America. Well, I'm just happen to be of the mind that I think that everybody else that's influencing Joe Biden, we know where they stand on open borders. We know where he stands. He wants open borders. He wants amnesty. He has no problem with sanctuary cities and states. We know where he stands on foreign policy. We know where he stands on liberal uh, justices, activists on the Supreme Court and every other court. We know where he stands on energy. That's a disaster. We know his record was nothing but failure. Between him, Schumer, Pelosi, 125 years worth of swamp failure. We also know where Joe Biden stands on now saying, which contradicted his remarks in a USA Today column op-ed that I'm just guessing at this point he didn't write because his own words, I guess, speak more volumes than anything written. But anyway, now in this interview today that police are over-militarized, have become the enemy and absolutely, the money should be reallocated elsewhere. Listen. Uh, surplus military equipment for law enforcement. They don't need that. The last thing you need is an up-armored Humvee coming into a neighborhood. It's like the military invading. They don't know anybody. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point is but that... Do we, we agree that we can redirect some of the funding? Yes. Oh. That the police... Oh, I don't know about update up-armored Humvees in any neighborhood. Now, there are certain tactical situations. You have bomb squads. Yeah, they have that type of tactical gear for the safety of the police. So it raises a question. Why Why didn't Joe speak out against the takeover of city blocks? Why didn't Joe speak out in, in, in defense of the 99% of good police officers that want to protect and serve their communities? Why didn't Joe speak out when the Chaz Chop Summer of Love Spaghetti Potluck Dinner Zone you know, where people started getting murdered. Why didn't he speak out about the takeover of the, the two blocks in Atlanta that resulted in the death of an eight-year-old over the weekend or the seven-year-old in Chicago this weekend? Why didn't he and Barack do anything to stop the violence while they were president and vice president in Chicago? Because it was happening. They barely mentioned it. Why didn't he put in reforms for the police after Ferguson or after Baltimore or after Cambridge or after any other uh, number of high profile incidents. He didn't do any of that. You know, I know he talked about, you know, predators and, you know, we know his positions on on race. And I've talked at length that Democrats have absolutely no standing whatsoever. In large part, you just have to look at Joe Biden's own record. You know, Joe Biden is, you know, demanding to know, you know, out he supported an anti-busing amendment. He praised, uh, let's see, Robert KKK Byrd, the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act. He talked about, you know, his children worried that his children would grow up in a, quote, racial jungle if integration is not in his orderly way, whatever the hell that means. You know, predators must be taken off the street and so on. And, so on. and, poor, and poor kids are just as smart as white kids. 
And, you know, you ain't black and we'll put you all back in chains. And, you know, Obama, first mainstream American, articulate, bright, clean, nice looking storybook. Can't go to a 7-Eleven or Dunkin Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent or the same Biden that said, I don't feel responsible for the sins of my father and grandfather. I feel responsible for what the situation is today, the sins of my own generation. And I'll be damned if I feel, you know, I'm going to pay for what happened 300 years ago. Okay, that's Joe Biden. That's that's their nominee. Imagine if Donald Trump said any or all of that. Then Biden today is actually he's got a teleprompter. He comes out of the basement bunker. He gets up with the you know pretty setting with the birds chirping in the background and making so much noise as to distract from anything he's saying. Usually he's reading the teleprompter and he forgot his own proposal even while reading it. And then says, ah, this is taking too much time. Listen, Lonnie knows I believe this every fiber of my being. We're posed. I, what I propose is, is it can be done. I think we're in a position to, to really make it happen. And my team and your team are already working closely together in light, to light up the path forward here. Critical laws like the PRO Act to strengthen collective bargaining. On politics like prevailing and, pro, look, I guess I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm t- taking too much time, but, you know. So we know where he stands. We know, what have I been saying? That, that their stated proposals are disasters. It is, it is unachievable, this Green New Deal madness. Rewrite our economy, transform the country, uh, and while we're at it, uh, we're going to defund the police? Well, what are you going to replace it with? How, who are people going to call? The police or the enemy? Who wants to be a cop today? You got 809 cops in New York City now have filed for retirement as a result of the rocks, the bricks, the bottles, the Molotov cocktails, and the, you know, what, eight dead cops, one paralyzed from the neck down. We had knives and, and guns used against them, too. They're getting out. Those that can retire are retiring, and I don't blame them. Those that wanted to grew up dreaming of being police officers are now reevaluating whether or not this is even viable for them. You know, so that, that that's his vision of America. No oil, no gas. Everything's free. You know, amnesty and open borders. And I, I mean, it's, it's madness. Sanctuary cities and states. Socialism on steroids. Government run everything. Government free everything. Well, it's government's going to what? Run industry and. Where do you think this is ending? It's not going to end well. This is this will be it will be a train. He's going to transform the economy and America and its wealth that allowed America to share with its creative freedoms. Remember, there's no perfect country. We all acknowledge that there's no perfect police force either. We've all acknowledged that. But if we're going to right wrongs and correct injustices, there's only one document in the history of mankind that has allowed for it and that has happened successfully. And that would be the United States Constitution. And that Constitution allows us to right wrongs and correct injustices and make us a more perfect union. And and yeah, we've made a lot of progress. We have a lot more progress to make. And I'm all for it. But his eight year. Why did why didn't he put in the changes on the criminal justice reform? Why didn't they do police reform? Why didn't they create record low unemployment for every minority demographic in the country? You know, so we're going to now the police is the enemy. OK, well, what are you going to do with all the, 
the the shootings in in all these you know cities like New York and Atlanta and Chicago and Seattle and Los Angeles. What are you going to do? What is what is Grandma and Grandpa going to do? What is Mom and Dad going to do? What are, you know? What what is a, a Mom and Dad going to do to protect their young children? Well, they're not allowing Americans. A lot of these cities and states, you can't even buy a gun. You won't have the option to defend yourself. You're a sitting duck. It's unbelievable. They're now searching for ways to stop. Okay, now New York City is now seeing gun violence that they haven't seen in 30 years since the since the 90s. I, I, I don't even know what to tell you at this point. We had former Commissioner Ray Kelly on last night. I mean, he said New York well, was the safest city in America, big city in America for decades. A lot of hard work done by a lot of people. And then he said, I lay the problems of New York City solely at the feet of Mayor de Blasio. And he's eviscerated police, the police department. And one of the most significant things he did was eliminate the anti-crime units throughout the city with real crime fighters. They're investigating in Los Angeles whether this blue flu is real. We know that in June, 97% of the shooting victims in New York City were minorities. Well, well who's, who we, who's going to protect them? You want and add to that the idiotic anti-bail reform bill signed by New York's dumb governor. Top of everything dumb they all did as it relates to COVID-19. Let's throw nursing homes. Let's throw the COVID patients into nursing homes. And we don't want Donald Trump's hospitals that he built and manned and converted for COVID-19 and provide all the ventilators and PPE that New York and Pennsylvania and, and New Jersey and Michigan needed. Let's leave those those hospital beds empty. This is not going to end well. If you care about law, order, safety, and security, how do you think this is going to end? What are you going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to protect myself and my family. What are you going to do? Ask yourself, what if you live in one of these cities or states and you, you, you can't even buy a firearm? Because that's, that goes hand in hand with the, with the areas that have the, the most violence. And the worst school system, we're going to add that. Congressman Lee Zeldin wants to remove de Blasio to save the city. Good luck. You know, there's a video that emerged online late Tuesday showing a black SUV barreling through a crowd of Black Lives Matter protesters in Times Square, New York. After the vehicle was surrounded by protesters, well, they're allowing the protesters to take over city blocks. It was anyway, but... You know, one witness told the paper, the New York Post, that the driver just kept moving when the vehicle was surrounded. And the paper reported that a since deleted tweet showed one protester telling the driver, ma'am, we're going to pop your tire, bro. Quote, unquote. What is he what is he going to do? Where are the cops there? You know, I'm Lawrence Jones interviewing the father of this seven year old girl. Last night in Chicago, playing in her in her grandmother's backyard on the 4th of July. Six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. I mean, the Chaz Chop Zone, Atlanta, they, they allowed the Wendy's to be taken over by armed anarchists at the, at the Wendy's that would burn to the ground. It's so sad, and it doesn't have to be this way. You have a daughter of a slain NYPD officer. Sharing a pretty powerful message we told you about yesterday. They bleed just like the rest of us. They have children and loved ones that need uh, them to come home unharmed. 
I want everyone to know those officers are human, too. They have fears. They have love. They bleed like the rest of us. That's the 99%. Nobody been more outspoken about abuse of power and corruption at the highest levels of the FBI and the intelligence community than me. But I always made the distinction about the 99%. I make the same distinction with policemen and women. It's a thankless job. It's a dangerous job. Those two police officers crossing that ball field the day that Steve Scalise nearly lost his life and others were shot, they went up against a rifle by a, by a sniper hidden in the bushes. They walked into an open field with a pistol. Let me tell you what that is. That's a suicide mission. Because if you're going to go up against a rifle, if the guy has any skill whatsoever, and two police officers in an open field, it's over. But they did it anyway. They risked their lives anyway. Heroes on every level. Have we forgotten about 9-11? Those that went up, up those towers when everyone else was racing down? The, the, the firemen, the policemen, emergency responders, they went up. Have we forgotten we're just going to throw them all down the stairs and allow a presidential candidate to call them enemy of the people? you got to be kidding me. By the way, 17 have been shot, four more dead in just 12 hours in Chicago from Monday night into Tuesday morning. You had a Trump uh, supporter slapped in the face at a Black Lives Matter plaza which which happened in what Lafayette Park and uh, I guess the video that in in Washington D.C. across from the White House. I mean, you got to be kidding me! You know, the guy gets slapped in the face. Someone in the crowd, he hit him first. As cops were surrounding, that didn't happen. LAPD now they they the morale of police is so low in Atlanta, New York, L.A. They're calling out sick because they don't want to go to work. They don't have anybody to support them or even like them at this point. They're the enemy of the people, Joe Biden says. Really? Is that the is that the transformation of America that Biden is talking about here? In D.C., their council holding a hearing on a budget to uh, voting to remove police from schools. OK, who's going to be there when the next school shooting happens? I'd rather if it, my kid was in a school and God forbid there's a school shooting I would like to know the police that are armed are there. Just have maybe I'm an extremist. New gun owners say they're buying firearms because police might not reach them in time. They're right. I had a friend of mine that has known that I've, you know, for years that, you know, I'm a I, I'm a collector, and I've been trained in the use of a firearm since I'm ten. And he says I'm, I'm for the first time in my life, I want to get a firearm. He goes, "What do you think I should get?" I said, "Well." And this is my answer to any of you out there. I believe in the Second Amendment, but if you're going to get a firearm, you better get the training to go along that goes along with it. It's not a toy. You need training. You want a particular firearm? You want a shotgun? You want a pistol? These the most gun shops, most gun ranges, they have people that love teaching other people safety and use of a firearm to protect yourself and your family. They got safes that you can open with a finger point in a second. I got one next to my bed. Whatever, if you just get trained in the use of safety. Learn safety first. Leonard Skinner, simple man. It means it's all things Bill O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com. You got to start using that music as you come out on and do your stage shows when you get back to doing your stage show. I mean, I'm going to. 
I'm going to do better, and then I'm going to hire the band. I'm going to get the Skinner guys <laughs> in, and they'll open. I actually, they did a number, they did a whole year Freedom Conference with us. We lost Charlie Daniels this week. He did, too. We raised millions and millions of dollars doing these things for, you know, a scholarship fund for the kids yeah. of slain soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, uh, they're just great patriots, great, f you want to have, you want to celebrate freedom and fun, hang out with them. They get yep. it. There's no doubt about it. But you can't hang with them, O'Reilly, because you don't even drink. No, You, Donald can... Trump, and Mark Levin, three people that need to drink that don't. You know, I, I can deliver philosophy as you guys are pouring <laughs> uh, the alcohol down your throat. I can basically put it uh, in perspective, yes. That's yeah, okay. But, but it, it takes away the fun of it. I mean, just, just one time. I'd like to just, you know, <laughs> just one time. Let's just have a couple of beers. Hey, you know, I that ad about, is sad, isn't it? But it's true. Yeah, but I want to talk about this this uh, book um, by Mary Trump, because, as you know, I wrote The United States of Trump. And so I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, uh, this doesn't stack, and everybody should know this. I did, I think, the best research on Trump that's ever been done. We spent months, and it wasn't what he said. We, we did it independently. And if you read the United States of Trump, we go all through his education, his father, his relationship with his father, and all that. And it's never been challenged, by the way. Nothing that we've written in the United States of Trump has been said, oh, that's not true, or the blah, blah, blah. So anyway, the thing that she said that really caught my eye was that uh, Donald Trump hired somebody, she doesn't name the person, which is tawdry to say the least, um, to take his SATs. Well, uh, that doesn't really stack because back then in the mid-60s, if you were to transfer colleges, you didn't need SATs. You already had your college transcript, which he had from Fordham. He went from Fordham to the University of Pennsylvania. So I, I called up four or five of my friends that did transfer in the 60s. I said, did, did anybody ask you for SATs? No, because it was, they were obsolete and useless when you had already completed two years of college. That's what you send, your grades. So this is a lie. I'm going to say it on your program. It's a lie. And then if she's going to lie about something like that to make her uncle look bad, um, what else is she going to lie about? Well, I'll submit to you everything and anything. She doesn't care what's true because that's easy to check out. This and is my far, take on it. You know what this is? Uh, nobody knows who this person play. is. It's she had It's a money play. And, yeah. no, and, and again, she has to get a story and she has to put things in there that the mob and the media will run with. Uh, the, you know, John, I, I can tell you, if you want to use the word lie, John Bolton lied to me on numerous occasions, absolutely lied to me, uh, about very specific things that he knows he told me. So, you know, it's a little frustrating. I mean, he's a former colleague of ours, but, uh, he didn't come on your show to talk about his book. Right? I knew, I, 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 there was no point why I knew it was bull. I absolutely I know, I knew mean, it would be interesting to see him. When you said, "Hey, you told me this. What about that?" But I don't think he would. I don't think he would come on your program. And I don't I think he'd come on. We we, we did. Re, I did reach out to him when he left the administration. You know, he told me, "No, I'm, well, me and Trump are great." Uh huh. Mm -hmm. So um, this this is another fascinating story. And by the way, Mary Trump is part of the, and so is John Bolton, part of the betrayal for money trend and industry that we have in the United States. Betrayal for money. There's a reason Judas Iscariot plays a big role in the Bible. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway. Well, and, but by work. the way, it is one of the Big Ten, Bill. I remember this from seminary, and I remember this when I studied theology, and 
Uh, I'm sure by my Catholic school upbringing of 12 years. And, you know, it's one of the thou shalt not bear false witness. And one of the reasons I think it's one of the Big Ten is because it ruins people's lives. Sure. And betrayal. And by the way, I talked to some of your uh, teachers at Pius. You did you not. You're full of crap. Yeah, you did. did not talk to no, my teachers. I, I talked to them, and they said we knew he was going to be a big drinker even back then. <laughs> by the way, I'm not a big drinker. I'm just trying to get you to have three <laughs> beers with me. That's it. Uh, you're trying to turn me into an alcoholic. Oh, my gosh. Come on. No, I, I, you literally, have you ever had a drink? Well, I tasted my father's beer. He used to drink peels. I was horrible. By the no, way, Peel, why, why are you drinking this, Dad? You have a Dr. Pepper. Peels on, and Schaefer, you? You are, we're so aging ourselves here. Remember Schaefer and, uh, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah you but know. I never got. And plus, if you know. You me, never you know, in high school or college went no, to a party and had a beer. Sports. I was playing sports. So was I playing sports. I don't have time to drink. I'm playing four sports, and and now I was I playing third. three. I'm sorry, you beat me, but um, but I, but I spent the rest of the time, you know, having a beer. Good grief! Not me, I was I was training, <laughs> and now I have a 36 inch waist. I'm not going to drink beer. I'm, uh, you know, come wow, on. you know, that's because you're not doing the Hannity workout, which is you know my mixed martial arts. Um, all right, let me go to this. Hannity, come on! I want to get to this because you didn't answer all my right. question. So now right. we've got. There's new war on police. Now we yeah. got the defunding of the police. Now we literally have Democrats pushing on national legislation to de- defund all police. Now, Bill yeah. O'Reilly, I'm going to be very honest. I'm I'm now pretty skilled. Um, I happen to be a gun collector. Um, I believe in responsible gun ownership. You you know how responsible I am when it comes to firearms. If, if somebody calls the show and says, well, what gun do you think I should get? And I'm like... Well, what gun do you want to get trained in the use of? Because right. it's not a toy. And, and by the way, you, you don't like guns. You're a little different than me. Well, I mean, it's not that I don't like them. And, and my opinion is now changed because of the danger that both you and I face. Um, so I don't want to get into that personally. But my question to you is, if somebody comes at you, do you want to shoot them dead or do you want to kill them with your lethal weapon hands? Which one it, do you it, want to Listen, it, it, I don't want to ever hurt anybody, to be honest. No, but if they're coming at you, you got it. If, they, if they're coming at, coming at me, I'll respond. I mean, a lot of my training now for seven-plus years, five days a week, an hour and a half a day, is situational self-defense. And so, yeah. I, I, you know, I am prepared for whatever the scenario happens to be, and you have to judge it based on the time. One of the things that I really want to have happen for police, A, is more training, B, and, and getting rid of the tro- chokehold, and, unless your life is in jeopardy. If I would have taken two fingers of George Floyd, if the cop did this, two fingers, Bill, he was in handcuffs. And if you just manipulate it one little way or another, you get full compliance, Bill O'Reilly. I can yeah, promise you, you I can bring that. your Absolutely six foot four right. body to its knees with just two fingers in my hand. That, but I, I, mean, even, I, I would just go to my knees before you even had to do exactly. it. Exactly. I am frightened of you. But did you see? Did you know you I have the switch. Go ahead. This moron in the Bronx, in the New York State Legislature, is introducing a bill that New York police, including city police, would now have to buy private insurance yeah. to uh, defend themselves against any lawsuits directed at them. Right now, the law is in New York. The city or the state has to defend the police. The police don't spend money if the, somebody comes after them and sues them. Now, the police officers make between sixty and $100,000 a year. 
they can't afford to have that kind of a insurance premium to pay. So what this woman in the Bronx is doing, this moron, is basically saying, I don't want any police. And she lives in the Bronx, where there are now, what, 10, 15 shootings every day since the communist mayor de Blasio uh, defunded the or took a billion dollars away from the budget, and the uh, anti-crime unit was disbanded. So, you know, we are living in a, in a time now of true madness, and I want everybody to consider that statement. We are taking away the only protection that poor people have. The only protection they have is the police. Now, Hannity and I, we can hire our security and we can train ourselves and arm ourselves. Poor people really can't do that. They don't have the resources. So well, these but, people are yeah. putting everyone in danger, and we're letting them do it. I, 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 it's amazing. Bill, the, the reality is, if you believe in, in that, you know, all men are created equal, and I, I believe we are. And I believe there's one creator, and I know you believe the same thing. And we also believe that man is imperfect. We know that. Otherwise, we wouldn't need any government. But the number one role of government is to protect it, its citizenry. And these cities are war zones, Bill. You know, I, I know. now, and it's sad. And now, they, they, this is madness to me. Who are you going to call Bill O'Reilly? If it's You'll probably call me, I, and I'd go out and help you. But who are people going to call? Who's grandma and grandpa going to call? Who's mom and well, dad going to call? Now they don't have anybody to call now. So if you have a drug gang in your neighborhood that's essentially running the neighborhood, that's why people don't testify against a drug gang. That's why these homicides are never solved because nobody's going to come forth because they're afraid they're going to get killed. So I talked to President Trump about this one-on-one um, -on -one in an in-person conversation, and I said to him, you're going to have to send in federal troops to control, we're talking about Chicago, to control that because there have been 7,000 people killed in Chicago over the past decade or so. But, the pro but, Bill, but Bill, for him to do that, he would I have know. to then, it's the Insurrection Act, which he constitutionally has the right to do. Here's the problem. He's been begging New York. He's been begging Chicago. He's been they begging Seattle. They, they, okay, so now the president is standing back. They don't want any help from him. They don't want I would any do help. it anyway. I would, if I were president, I would do it. I would do it because you then send a message to the poorest of the poor that I'm your president and I'm going to protect you. I, but the problem, Bill, is if that happens and he sends in troops, now, now we get into a situation where a private citizen might get, you know, they might have to use lethal force. And then all hell's going to break loose. It, 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 would, it's very complicated. It. It's very complicated. All right, stay there, though. We'll continue. All yeah. things simple, man. Nothing simple with BillOReilly.com. But anyway, all right, as we continue, Bill O'Reilly, simple man, all things BillOReilly.com. Uh, all right, how do you assess the 2020 presidential race? Because a couple of things I see. One, I see an economy rebounding in ways we didn't imagine this early. That's good for the president. Uh, I see a lot of maneuverings now in terms of the Durham investigation. I do believe that people will be held accountable. And I do believe the more that Joe Biden gets out there and has to lay out, number one, defend his failed eight years as vice president and lays out his radical extreme version, Green New Deal, more Obamacare, Medicare for all, higher taxes. Um, I think that there's going to be a drastic switch and in, in, in terms of momentum. That's what I think. 
but it's still uh, hard for any Republican to win an, a national presidency, win a national election. Well, I think that the COVID thing is uh, a big factor. And if there's a vaccine, that helps Donald Trump immeasurably. Number two, it's not really Trump versus Biden, as we discussed. It's Trump versus Trump. And he's got to stop the unforced errors. He gave a brilliant speech. I analyzed it on BillOReilly.com. It's part of my Stand Up For Your Country campaign that we have on the website. Gave a brilliant speech in South Dakota at Mount Rushmore. Um, it was lied about by the Washington Post. I don't know if you saw the article written about the Washington Post coverage, but they actually lied about what Donald Trump actually said at the speech. But if he runs on, I'm going to protect traditional America from these loons, I think he's going to win if he runs on that. But he's got to stop the, the Bubba Watson stuff, the small ball. Got to stop that. All right? And just concentrate on the big stuff that the far left wants to rip up this country and change it into a socialist situation where everybody's going to suffer. See, I agree with you, and I think he's doing it, and I think he's going to continue to do it. Now, I, th- I think it's going to happen a little bit differently than, than the way you're describing it would happen. And I think what the president's going to do is he's going to provide the monies for policing. Look, in New York, 809 cops have filed for retirement compared to 287 last year. You look at the the rise in violent crime in all these big cities and liberal blue states and that have been run by yeah. Democrats for decades. I just think what's going to happen is the president is going to give the law in order and enforcement monies that we can take back the streets and protect citizens. Well, in a debate situation, Donald Trump can destroy Joe Biden if he keeps it simple and says, you're going to tear down uh, George Washington statue? Are you? Yes right. or no? Okay, Thomas Jefferson, yes or no? You support what's going on in Seattle? Would you have allowed that to go on? Very simple. Simple man O'Reilly, simple man Donald Trump. Very simple. These are the questions. Trump's going to have to ask them because the moderators are never going to ask them, ever. So keep that in mind in the three debates. So Trump's going to have to ignore the questions asked by the moderators, turn to Biden and say, hey, you okay with uh, 7,000 people shot dead in Chicago? Do you send in troops there? That's why I say Trump himself should do it. Because that would be an uproar. You're absolutely right. It would cause an uproar. But I think most Americans, 70%, including African Americans, would support it. All right, simple man, Bill O'Reilly. All things O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. Thank you for being with us. When we come back, wide open telephones. We've got a lot of deep state news updates we're going to give you. Yep, we got a newly uncovered notes of Strzok and from the DOJ one day after the Flynn interview. It's... Uh, going to be interesting. Straight ahead. All right. Glad you're with us. Uh, 25 now until the top of the hour. Hannity.com. Live free, die. America and the world on the brink. Live free or America dies. And every single thing that you believe in, in terms of liberty and freedom, it's all hanging in the balance. We go through what makes America great. What has historically made America great? The failures of socialism as now represented by the Democratic 2020 agenda. We talk about the complicity of the mob and the media. We'll give you all the facts about what the Democrats have been doing for all these years in office, especially during the Trump years. And more importantly, every promise made and kept by Donald Trump, which no politician had done. And by the way, he doesn't get credit for because the mob will never tell you about any. Anyway, Hannity.com. Let's go to our phones here. As promised, at the top of the hour, we have a, a deep state update of great import that we'll get to. 
Uh, Jason is in Texas. Jason, hi. How are you? Glad you called. I'm doing good, Sean. Real quick question, and then I'll let you go. I, I, I want to know if these uh, liberal mayors and, and governors of these liberal states, uh, especially where these children are getting killed, should they and could they uh, be charged for aiding and abetting and accessory to murder? Uh, yeah, you know, I wish it's just like, for example, why don't if it's against the law to, to help criminals, for example, and you are an elected official and you have, live in a sanctuary state or a sanctuary city and you have people, even people that committed violent crimes and our laws say that you're to hand those people over to ICE for deportation and you do not hand them over. OK, and let's say that those people they spent their time in jail they're protected you're now aiding and abetting them and breaking the law and then let's say god forbid and it's happened many times and we've chronicled it many times uh that same person then goes out and commits yet another act of violence against another innocent american uh do i think they're guilty of aiding and abetting yeah i actually do in terms of the dereliction of duty of of mayors and governors um I'm sorry, but this is just how I feel. Do I think the Seattle mayor that was lying about the festive uh, spaghetti potluck dinner zone, uh, summer of love, Chaz chop zone, do I think that, you know, in in a sense, her lack of protection for the people in that area that resulted in the, the death of innocent people like Horace Lorenzo Anderson uh, Jr.? Uh, do I think that she's partly responsible? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I always blame the person that really did it, but she allowed the conditions to exist by not doing her number one job, which is protecting life and property of the of the citizenry that elected her mayor. And the governor, Jay Inslee, was missing in action, afraid of his own shadow, afraid to even, you know, give an interview, talk, you know, talk about it, afraid to do his job. You know, from my from a moral standpoint, I think they're all complicit and it's sad. And it's you know, now this has become a movement. All right, let's defund the police. OK, how do you think that's going to end, Jason? Because I don't think it's going to end well. I do not think it will end well at all. Right. Anyway, good call. Thanks for calling us. Let's go to New York. Tom, uh, the all new AM 710 WOR. What's up, Tom? How are you? Hey, Sean. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, sir. Listen, I'm sorry. I, I want to know how we, the people, can use our power as tax-paying constituents to remove our failing mayors and governors, like Bill de Blasio and Creepy Cuomo. I think we, as citizens, need a specific standardized set of criteria of basic needs, and they need to meet them, like a performance chart. You know, maintain a budget, keep basic services working, and maybe keep us safe from crime. Listen, there's only one way to get rid of politicians. Tom, you know the answer. (laughs) How do you get rid of them? Vote them out. Vote them out. Yeah. There's there's an election in 118 days. And when I say, you know, that America will become unrecognizable if it's Biden, Schumer and Pelosi, uh, that's not hyperbole. I'm not saying it just to say it based on their stated principles that they're adopting. I am telling you, America will become unrecognizable. It will take us down. That's why I did a whole chapter on the the epic failure of socialism in all its many manifestations, because what they are proposing has been tried and it has failed every single time. And we'll take the greatest economy 
the greatest wealth-creating nation on earth, and we will turn it upside down, and America will be unrecognizable, and they'll take over industry, and they'll get rid of oil, gas, and coal, and, you know, the new Green Deal, and then tell everybody everything's free, and then finally the bill will come due, and we'll be bankrupt even after they confiscate every penny that every person has. It won't end well, and I don't think you recover from that. But you tell me if you have a better idea, I'm all ears. Well, I'm talking more about rather than waiting until the election comes up, if, if someone falls below this threshold of obligations that we should have a standardized uh, specific set of rules for, they're a hazard and a liability to the people they should be serving, and they need to be removed right away without waiting whatever the rest of their term should be. You know, we all have to meet certain levels of performance. Look, I mean, there, there are certain. The you, listen, you, you can go through different impeachment processes in different cities and states. I don't know what it even is everywhere. But the bottom line is the best way to get rid of people that are this stupid and incompetent is to vote them out. And other ways people are getting rid of them is they're they're now divorcing states. It's literally it's now gotten to a point of irreconcilable differences between the citizens that have common sense and pay the tax bills in new states like New York and Illinois and New Jersey and California, that they're voting with their feet and they're getting the hell out. That's why you see this mass migration. New York, number one state, people leaving the state. Why? Well, the no bail law is one of it. One of the reasons, the pathetic response and preparation for a coronavirus, you know, shoving COVID-19 patients into nursing homes. I was pretty dumb. Uh, not listening to your own health commission and and their recommendations when a pandemic happens. It's a matter of when it happens, not if it happens. And people are, are saying, you know what? We're getting out of here. On, on, on us. Why should we have to leave? Why don't we just have the right to throw them out? They're not doing uh, their job. Listen, I agree with you, and I will tell you you're right, but I'm just telling you that in New York where I'm stupid enough to live, and I mean that. I'm not, that, that's not hyperbole either. I got to get out of here. I am just telling you that there's not enough people that are conservative. So what I am saying to the people that are leaving, the states that have been ruined, that they don't even have basic fundamental services, safety, security, you know, burdensome bureaucracy, high taxes, stupid politicians, they can't solve any problems, if you're going to leave, don't bring your, your stupid, idiotic, liberal ideas to a red state with you and ruin the next state you're going to. That's my one criteria. You know, it's sad. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Tom. Warren in Florida. What's up, Warren? How are you? I'm good, Sean. I, I appreciate everything you stand for. And, and like the last caller, you said you were ready to leave. So uh, I'm in central Florida, the home uh, where... Grady Judd is. So if you want to come down here and hang out here, we'd be more than happy to have you. But uh, listen, I love Central um, Florida. You got, you know, in the what is it? The I what is it? I four Carter. What do you call it? Yep. Yep. Um, I-4 and, and, I'm in Polk and, County and, with Grady Judd. Yeah, I mean, you got. I, listen, I've I, I used to have time to actually go down to Southwest Florida and and even time Southeast Florida, and I I love the weather. It's a healthier lifestyle. You have better infrastructure. You pay far less in taxes. Immediately, do you realize on my income, I'll save 13% if I just move to Florida, just on that one issue. If I die in Florida, I'll I'll literally save 15% more of whatever money I've saved in my life if I just move to Florida. How stupid am I? I'm a dope. Yep, that's incredible. But 
So that brings me to my question is uh, how do we get people from, say, New York? And I know it's not everybody in New York, but it's, it's the liberal and, and um, the idiots over there on that side. How do we get them to understand that, that an armed society is a polite society? It's a proven fact. Georgia's done it um, here in Florida. Our, go- our, our sheriff, he said when we had some, uh, we had looters and, and riots here in Lakeland, and, uh, and he told them on the, on the news conference that he did, he said, I invite you to go to the neighborhoods like you say you're going to, because if you do, I encourage the constituents of my county to blow you back out the front door that you came in. Well, I missed that last part. So say that again. Uh, he Grady actually uh, he said that he suggested that the people go to the neighborhoods like they said they were going to and start looting neighborhoods because he knows that the people of Polk County are armed and he is going to encourage the people uh, of Polk listen, County. Listen, I'm going to tell you, to no, I don't. Right we don't want door. we don't want homeowners to have to you know stand in the front of their houses with you know their AR-15s or shotguns. We don't really we, that's that's not living free. You know, there, there are ways to protect our communities, and we should use the law enforcement. Now, I'm all in favor of more training, and you know, I'm just telling you the level of training that I have, most cops do not have anywhere near the level of training I've been through in the last seven years. I know they have to requalify every year for firearm use, but I'd like to see non-lethal alternatives emerge, and I've talked at length about that. I'd like to see that that cops are given more tools in terms of use and of of non-lethal force physically more trained and more skilled than most perpetrators that they might get into a conflict with um there there are very you know george floyd is a case in point all i gotta do is he's in handcuffs if you manipulate a a single finger with a japanese jujitsu move which i practice all the time I promise you get full compliance immediately. No more than three seconds. You will get the compliance you're asking for. There are so many ways to do that. and But the cops don't have that training, which is wrong. We need to give them more training so that they're better able to handle all of this. All right, as we continue back to our phones, Michigan, Christina, well, you got the greatest, dumbest mayor along with us here in New York and the same with New Jersey and uh, Pennsylvania. What's going on, uh, Christina? How are you? Oh, yes. You're, you're spot on. We're very frustrated here in Michigan. I don't know what to do about it. Getting scared because they have children and coming into the school year and they're talking about all the draconian measures they want to take. I don't even know what to think. But um, the reason why I was calling today was because I wanted to talk about why is it, and I see it here, especially in Michigan, where everybody just seems to like toe the line and follow the orders. And, you know, it just seems like, you know, there's certain people that are just innately different in their ideologies about authority. Um, you know, you have some people on the left that just want a blind allegiance to their authority and without any equivocation, and they have the inability to overcome their cognitive dissonance when something threatens their authority and rule. You talk to somebody here about Gretchen, and if they're supporting her, they're not going to listen to any facts whatsoever. But then there's people like me who can look at a person of authority saying and, and doing something, and we can object and question what's happening. And you know, why do I have the ability to do that so quickly? It's seen a nefarious intent in something, and then other people, they just have these worldly eyes, and they buy right into the rhetoric. <laughs> look, I'm just, I, I, you know, look at Joe Biden today. Joe Biden saying the police have become 
the enemy and they should be defunded. Wow. That tells you everything you need to know about what 118 days from now means. He's going to raise your taxes. He brags about it. He's going to transform America. What does that mean? You got a guy that literally, if we're going to be honest, he seems out of it to be charitable. People ask me every day. I'm nervous. They tell me that I'm nervous. I'm always nervous about elections. I I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have the gift of prophecy. But I would like to think that the American people, when they factor in this madness of no law and order and defunding the police, when they factor in everything's going to be free, $94 trillion new Green Deal and, and $52 trillion Medicare for all and more Obamacare and guaranteed government this and that and everything, and you factor it all in open borders and sanctuary cities and states and liberal activist judges and justices, you know, I, I'm not, it's not hyperbole. I didn't write the book, Live Free or Die, America on, and the World on the Brink for no reason, because the stakes are that high. And in Latin, I write, America, live free or America is going to die. Freedom is but one generation away from extinction. This is it. This is your, this is your demarcation election. This is the election of your lifetime. Everything's riding on it, because America will be unrecognizable. If their agenda, which I lay out in in all of its scary details, is ever implemented, it's scary. That's why I have the history of socialism epic fail. It's never worked. It's never going to work. And yet there are percentages of the population that want sanctuary states and cities and free government everything. 800-941-SHAWN if you want to be a part of the program. We'll continue. The countdown is on. Only 27 more days till Sean's new book, Live Free or Die. So what did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn? And was there anything improper done? I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn. I do want to press that. You say you didn't know anything about it, but you were reported to be at a January 5th, 2017 meeting where you and the president were briefed on the FBI's plan to question Michael Michael Flynn over those uh, conversations he had with the Russian ambassador Kislyak. No, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I was aware that there was, that there, they asked for an investigation, but that's all I know about it. Mr. Vice President, what was your involvement in the investigation uh, of Michael Flynn and the FBI investigation of Michael Flynn? I was never a part or had any knowledge of any criminal investigation into Flynn while I was in office, period. Not one single time. All right, there was uh, Joe Biden, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show. A lot of developments on the deep state. In this case in particular, Joe Biden, not only do we now know he knew he was in that important meeting that took place in the Oval Office the day after they they resurrected the dead Michael Flynn investigation, which they had no absolutely no evidence on whatsoever. It was over. It was dead. Peter Strzok races with Comey to bring it back to life. They all meet inside the Oval Office. That's where, well, we now know that the president shocked uh, Sally Yates in the meeting by acknowledging that he knew everything about the Flynn Kislyak call. Uh, we also learned why it, it then happened, what, 15 days later, Susan Rice, note to self, he said, do everything by the book, do everything by the book. 
because it was in that meeting. We know that Joe Biden said, well, let's bring up the Logan Act. And this is what we've done before. And and Obama's wondering whether or not they should withhold information from the incoming administration. And we've got to get our people on this, our people, the right people on this so that they could literally hurt the incoming administration. Little did we would they know one day this would all become public. Now we have some other new developments and that is months before they approved the prosecution of General Flynn, senior Justice Department officials expect, expressed skepticism in terms of the internal notes about the FBI's continuing pursuit of the Trump National Security Advisor and the possibility of charging him with a crime, with John Solomon reporting just recently on this, and the skepticism about whether Flynn intended to lie. Well, now we know. Well, well, what do we want to do on January 24th? Is our goal to get an admission? Is our goal to get him to lie so we can get him prosecuted or maybe just get him fired? Well, the goal should always be get to the truth. And we still also now found out nobody thought he was lying. So why did they make a plea deal and force him to admit that he was lying? Because, well, by that point, he had to sell his own family home. And by that point, they were putting the screws to him and saying, well, we'll go after your son if you don't sign what we tell you to sign. And I guess the soldier that he is, he said, you mean if I don't sign this, you're going to go after my son and put my son in jail for something I didn't do? And he signed. And now we know all the exculpatory evidence in his case. At least we're getting to more of it every day. The same in the Papadopoulos case. We know that there was no fair and impartial jury as it relates to Roger Stone's case. Remember, a process crime with 29 guys in tactical gear and frogmen pre-dawn raid with CNN cameras conveniently there. And then, of course, uh, they did the same thing to Paul Manafort. His case was done, gone, investigated, and no prosecution. And they dug it out of mothballs after we have a DNC operative meeting at the Ukrainian embassy in D.C. for the purpose of colluding with them and in their hopes that they could dig up dirt on President Trump and those that worked in his campaign to hurt his campaign. All of that happened. Now the question is, is when do we get equal justice and application of our laws? A lot going on here. Anyway, joining us now is Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, author of the bestseller, the two bestsellers, The Russia Hoax and The Latest Witch Hunt. Uh, Jordan Seculo, executive director of the ACLJ. And he, by the way, is co-hosting a show with his dad, and he has his book out, The Next Red Wave, How Conservatives Can Beat Leftist Aggression, Rhino Betrayal, and Deep State Subversion. Uh, welcome both of you back to the program Let's first start, Greg Jarrett, uh, our friend and colleague, former colleague. She's now at CBS, Catherine Herridge. She said, reported yesterday about these newly uncovered notes uh, of 125-2017. That would be the day after Strzok and this other agent uh, interviewed Flynn in the ambush interview. Records under protective order, but there was a January 30th, 2017 internal DOJ document that read, uh, apparently, that corresponds with a similar date and timeline of the 2019 court transcripts. Your thoughts on that? Well, these are exculpatory documents. And, you know, every week, every month seems to bring new evidence of Michael Flynn's innocence. We knew all along he never committed a crime. There was nothing wrong with him talking to uh, the U.S. Uh, ambassador from Russia, Sergei Kislyak. It was Joe Biden, it turns out who conjured up the phony pretext of the ancient Logan Act. Uh, and so, you know, U.S. Attorney Jeff Jensen, in reviewing the Michael Flynn case, found even more exculpatory evidence. They've been uh, presented to the court under a protective order. I think the judge needs to release these to the public. 
but they are, as Sidney Powell, Flynn's attorney, said, these are exculpatory evidence of his innocence. And, you know, we're going to continue, Sean, over the next several months and, and years to come. We're going to find even more evidence of how this was nothing more than a hoax and a witch hunt that was conjured up by people uh, at the FBI, the Department of Justice, under Obama's administration to damage uh, the incoming president and his administration. And you take Jordan Seculo. Well, Sean, I think this is the question that the American people have to ask, especially as we're going into an election, is for, for one thing, why is Mike Flynn even still going through this? I mean, Sidney Powell's a great attorney, but we've already had a court of appeals order this judge to halt these proceedings because the Department of Justice said that it was a wrongful prosecution and illegitimate from the start. But I do agree with Greg. We're going to continue to find who, out, who are the real bad actors here, the bad actors, the Peter Strzoks, the Dana Bentes. I mean, the list starts going on and on. And how many times did they say, including before they even interviewed Mike Flynn, so starting with Jim Comey telling the President of the United States at the time, President Obama, in the Oval Office, that the calls were legit. And yet they still went in, sent those FBI agents in. They saw no issue. They did all their research, and they sent them in. And now we've got a memo after that meeting that, again, exonerates Michael Flynn. And I trust Sidney Powell here when she uses terms like that because she has been absolutely 100% correct the entire time in this case. And people need to ask themselves, do you really want to consider putting these people back in charge of the U.S. government? Because that's the, the decision the American people are going to be making in November. Let me go to another bit of news. We have actually two stories about Christopher Steele. Uh, and I would rather the Justice Department extradite him than Julian Assange, which, by the way, I think the Pentagon Papers case would become a, a primary defense for Assange. But what do I know? I'm not the lawyer that you are, Greg Jarrett, or the lawyer you are, Jordan. Uh, but the FBI refuses to release the information of Steele's uh, paid primary subsource. Now, this this is important because this is the guy that said, oh, everything in the dirty Steele dossier, Russian misinformation, that was the basis and the bulk of information for the FISA applications, uh, Greg Jarrett, uh, that the subsource said, no, this was bar talk. Nobody, we didn't expect anybody to use this in any way. This was just a bunch of bull. And the FBI won't release that information, which again raises the question, Christopher Ray, what are you doing? And then a British court ruled against Steele and ordered damages paid to a businessman that's named in the dirty Russian paid for uh, disinformation dossier. Well, first of all, the FBI director, Christopher Wray, should resign or be fired. I uh, called for that many, many months ago. He's been doing nothing but covering up uh, the deep state and what the misconduct by FBI agents. And he doesn't seem to care at all. Uh, that his agents routinely were lying to the FISA court. As for the British uh, court uh, decision, the judge in Great Britain ruled that Christopher Steele's dossier was just made up. It was phony, and he was peddling it and damaged two individuals who sued Steele and his company. Orbis. Well, by the way, one other point. When he faced perjury charges, if he lied in an interrogatory in Great Britain... He said he had no idea if any of it was true. Right, and yet he was passing this along uh, that eventually made its way in. Passing, he was, he was pushing hard, which is why he went to the State Department's Kathleen Kavla. Absolutely. 
Look, and, and he also lied to the FBI. There's been a criminal referral against him just because he's a British citizen doesn't mean uh, that he can get away with a crime uh, in America. And so he ought to be prosecuted. He ought to be extradited. Uh, Christopher Steele has a lot to answer for. I mean, he is the person, together with you know Hillary Clinton and the DNC, that created the Russia hoax that held hostage a presidency in a nation for the better part of three years. And what do you? What is your take on Christopher Steele? Why don't we extradite yeah. him? Well, I, know, uh, I, mean, she, I think, Sean, what you do is this. I mean, I, we have a lot of offices all over the world, and I do know from the U.K. laws, their defamation laws, and, and their laws on that are much different than ours. In America, we have much more freedom of speech, even if the speech is wrong or inaccurate. So most of the time, that's a good thing. In this case, though, that's why Christopher Steele faced a much tougher court and legal system in the U.K. In the U.S., the way you go after Christopher Steele is what we're really talking about here. Lying to the FBI, election interference, uh, whether it's, uh, again, this providing false information to impact a U.S. US election, and you absolutely could. Now, are we going to, do we believe Christopher Ray is going to be the one who does that, or is it going to flow from something like what John Durham is uncovering? The U.S. attorney is actually investigating all of this. My hope is that, because if you've got a lot of officials in the U.S. government, how do you not extradite for the purposes at least, or try to work out extradition for the purposes at least of actual testimony because if if fbi or former fbi officials are are implicated as we expect they will be and kind of already have implicated themselves the peter strox and lisa pages of the world he would be a key witness even if he's not facing actual legal jeopardy here in the united states which i'm not ruling out that he he is certainly not going to i think it would just have to focus in on things like election law uh specifically election interference things like that and, you know, it raises a lot of big questions. All right, when are we going to see equal justice? We already had how many referrals, Greg Jarrett? Now, I know probably Durham got slowed down in terms of maybe convening a grand jury and pursuing indictments, and I'm not sure where the jurisdiction would be necessarily. Uh, but I've got to imagine that we're at that point now. Yeah, I Attorney General Bill Barr said by the end of the summer at the latest, and so when Charles Grassley hauled off and uh, tweeted out that it might not happen until the, after the election, uh, Grassley, who has a tendency to be wrong nine times out of ten, was wrong yet again. This will happen before the election. I think it will happen, as Barr said, uh, sometime this summer, perhaps before the end of the summer. It needs to be. You know, Durham has had plenty of time. And I know he is cautious and diligent, and, you know, he's an honest, straight-up guy. He doesn't play politics. He will tell the story of the Russia hoax through the indictments themselves, which will detail uh, facts and evidence. And I think it'll happen sometime during this summer. Oh, it's July 8th, by the way. In case you're following, five years ago on this date, the FBI granted an emergency year-long no-bid contract to the cybersecurity firm CrowdStrike, and they never took the computers themselves. That was also, you know, a dubious decision. Uh, stay right there. More with Jordan and Greg on the other side. Then your calls, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. All right, final moments here with Greg Jarrett, Jordan Seculo. Uh All right, so where do you expect this to go? I asked Greg in the last segment, Jordan. Uh, he thinks that the that the attorney general is right. We'll see indictments probably and movement on this very shortly because it's now the summertime. Who are the names you're looking at and you think are most likely to be named in some type of indictment? Well, uh, n- name number one, obviously, Peter Strzok, 
Jim Comey cir- circulates, obviously, because he was in the meetings, too. But Peter Strzok was the one who stepped in to those line agents at the FBI and said, we're not going to close this. Don't let this be closed, even though all the experts there said, stop Crossfire Razor, which was the investigation into Michael Flynn, before we even got to Crossfire Hurricane. And I agree, this has got to come, at least by the end of the summer, for a couple reasons. One is, I don't want it to look like it's trying to impact the election, because I think it's bigger than that. So it needs to, people need to have time to digest this before you get into kind of that post-Labor Day, into really just election time in the United States of America, even with COVID and the different place we're living in. So that's the key to me, is the Peter Strzok's, the Lisa Pages, the Jim Comey's, how they're all implicated uh, they've been pretty quiet, and, and we, know, we now know they kept well, me, the investigation going that they knew was wrong. And what about McCabe? What about Clapper? What about Brennan? Uh, Greg Jarrett, the final uh, 40 seconds. McCabe certainly would be on my list. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that Kevin Kleinsmith, the fired FBI agent who doctored uh, some of the memorandum used for the FISA warrant, um, may be talking which is why we haven't seen his indictment already, which is a slam dunk. Well, I hear uh, Lisa Page may be talking. I hear James Baker may be talking. Yeah, I think those uh, that is true. But Kleinsmith, I think, is the key. I think if he's talking and implicating others, that's powerful evidence for the indictments of the people we've mentioned. All right, thank you both. Uh, Greg Jarrett, Jordan Seculo, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? Take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue your calls next. I don't want to move from one oppressor to the next. And one thing that really who's, who's the next oppressor? At, who's the next oppressor? Oh, when I when I describe this, when you look in the city of Chicago, there are nine children who died by gun violence, by black on black gun violence. With, from June 20th all the way to today. And you're talking about even with the Atlanta child murders, there were 28 kids who, were, who died during, in two years. You're talking about a month and you have nine black kids and the Black Lives Matter movement has said nothing. Now, that was an exchange that took place on uh, fake news CNN, uh, which is really unbelievable to me. Terry Crews and Don Lemon and uh, it's like, does every life matter? And and what Terry Crews is saying is, OK, Black Lives Matter. We know the group Black Lives Matter are on tape saying, what do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? And we know that they're saying pigs in a blanket and fry them like bacon. And he's saying that is almost exclusively a movement that is against incidences involving the the one percent of of law enforcement that are corrupt and abuse their power. But, you know, meanwhile, it's day after day, weekend after weekend where the statistics come in. And, for example, in New York, they just released statistics. As of now, for July, every shooting victim in New York has been a minority. In June, with all the the violence that went on in June, 97% of June's shootings in New York City, for example, shooting victims were minorities. You know, when I interview... Horace Lorenzo Anderson about his son, Horace Lorenzo Anderson, Jr., who was killed in the summer of love chop Chaz zone out there in Seattle. And that and they couldn't even get help to his son in his moment of need when seconds matter if somebody shot and the mayor never even called the guy. I mean, it's just a, a, it's atrocious. You know, we, we showed you the picture last night on Hannity. Lawrence Jones was in Chicago. He interviewed the father of this beautiful seven-year-old girl who was shot dead playing in the backyard of her grandma's house on the 4th of July. 
So the Black Lives Matter movement, it, that doesn't reflect her life or the life of other a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old. You know, over the last couple of weekends, it's like 30 teenagers shot, 30 kids shot around the country. Doesn't, don't those lives count? Because, you know, it counts to me. Here's what Lawrence Jones, his part of his interview. Now that we know who did this, had a long criminal record, and they allowed him to still be on the street, what is your message to the leaders that allowed that to happen? Um, y'all y'all got to change. Y'all see the way y'all got things going out. It's not working. How many kids is going to have to die before we realize we need to do better? I mean, when you find out it's one of your daughters, your sister, brother, and then you will feel the pain that I feel. It shouldn't have to come to that. I mean, we should be able to do something as a people, as a community, uh, to come together and strategize and, and think of something that's a lot better than what's going on now. Because, I mean, at this point, I mean, all our kids is dying out here in these streets. Do you think the public is taking this seriously? And it, this is getting as much as attention it's as it should be getting yes, right now. Yeah. You um, know, should, should there be protests the same Yes. for your daughter's life as it is when another person is killed yeah, yeah, yeah. at the hands of law enforcement or anybody? Uh, I, I believe so. It should be. Um, hopefully, this point right now is a stepping stone. And hopefully, things get taken care of. And I'm so happy that my daughter's name and ring bells and light has been <laughs> shed over this horrific act. That's Chicago. He lost a seven-year-old girl. Uh, you know, uh, uh, unspeakable pain. This is preventable. Remember in Seattle, I interviewed Horace Lorenzo Anderson, senior, lost his son with his namesake, Junior. I mean, that didn't have to, that happened in the summer of Love Zone. Then the mayor never even called Mr. Anderson. Never picked up a phone for this guy. Unbelievable. You know, you look at this eight-year-old little girl that was uh, shot in, in Atlanta. What was it, two weeks earlier? It was after Rayshard Brooks and what happened at the Wendy's. And in that very neighborhood, you had you had people that had taken over an, another full city block there. And the mayor of Atlanta did nothing. That didn't have to happen. So whether it's Seattle, Chicago, New York City, Atlanta, well, what do those four cities have in common? They've been run for decades by liberal Democrats. They, they have, if you look at the cities with the most violence... The worst security, the least amount of safety, the worst school systems, they have one commonality. They've been run by liberal Democrats for decades. If you look at the states we're usually talking about, like New York, New Jersey, Illinois, if you look at California and you look at Washington State and Oregon, you know, worst educational system, it, it's, they've been run by liberal Democrats on the state level for decades. And why haven't they solved these problems? And you know what I'm calling it is a preview of coming attractions. Because this is the modern, extreme, radical Democratic Party. Sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, open borders, amnesty, no bail laws, and defund the police. How's that going to end? Yeah, You don't have to be an MIT Harvard graduate to figure this out. It's not going to end well. Angie is in Arizona. Angie, we'll be watching you closely in 118 days. I'm fine. How are you, Sean? I'm good. Welcome aboard. Okay. 
Well, thank you. Um, as an African-American woman and a veteran of this beautiful country we are, we are in, this Black Lives Matter movement has gone far beyond where it needs to be. I think they've lost their credibility. Also, you, have to, you can't just pick and choose what issues you are going to focus on. You need to focus on the spectrum of every African-American in the world, not just because of police brutality. Let's talk about black-on-black crime. Let's talk about black abortion. Let's talk about the the abuse that African Americans give to themselves and how they treat one another. Can't say we're unified in and a unity when we're not. That's you know, really I, 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 I at some point I just wonder. I mean, you know, I keep going back to the record. Let's compare Biden and Barack's record to Donald Trump's record. Let's look at the hundred and twenty five years of failure that is Schumer, Pelosi, Biden. You can add, you know, but he's vice president for eight years. Uh, well, we know his past positions on segregation and busing and integration. And we know his horrific comments about minorities and African-Americans and other people. And and then you go, all right, well, what did they do? Well, they, they ended eight years of a presidency and a vice presidency. They, they barely mentioned Chicago. They didn't make any police reforms after Ferguson after Baltimore, they did nothing after these high profile incidents and others, you know, then you got to ask you 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty and the lowest labor participation rate since the seventies, worst recovery since the forties. Okay. That's their record. Why didn't they make the commitment to historically black colleges the way Donald Trump has? Why didn't they do criminal justice reform? Why didn't they do police reforms? Why didn't they build opportunity zones? You know, how is it Donald Trump in three and a half years versus their 125 years was able to shatter month after month, record after record, low employment numbers for every minority community in the country? And he's going to do it again because already the economy's you know, you know, literally snapping back as we had been hoping it would. And the numbers are far better than I thought they'd be at this time. And, you know, why didn't they do it? What we're gonna we're gonna reelect Biden? Why? So we can dump another hundred and fifty billion dollars on the tarmac of Iranian mullers chanting "Death to America." Yeah, that's genius. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. You know, where's their heart? Where's their soul in all of this? Anyway, eight hundred nine four one Sean. If you want to be a part of the program, hey Angie, stay right there. I want you to say hi to Mac is in Utah. Mac, uh, say hi to Angie in Arizona. Uh, Mac, apparently you're blaming the police as the problem. Tell me why. Well, Sean, I'm glad you finally let me on. What do you mean you're glad I finally let you on? I've been trying for a week. I'm glad you're on. I've been trying for a week. And listen, uh, God bless that woman uh, that you're just talking to, the guest that that we're sharing the call with. Uh, But she doesn't live in the part of the country where I fled. I fled the Midwest. I'm just going to go ahead and name it. Chicago. Uh, Sean, you have this misconceived uh, opinion that the police are the good guys. And I heard Rush Limbaugh this morning say the same thing. He's like, the police are the good guys. Why are you? We we thought 90% of the black people were afraid to call the police. But we just took a we just took a survey and the survey said it's just the opposite. The who's we took who's we took a survey? What survey? <laughs> it was a conservative sur- survey according what, to Rush. Okay, okay, let me just give you an answer. Are you ready? 
Every big city mm. that I'm talking about has majority minority police forces. Did you know that? Excuse me? Every city that I've been mentioning has a majority minority police force. Did you know that? Yes. And you're I'm very, and you're and you're well. and you're saying to me, what percentage yes. of the police do you think go to work every day hoping that they might be able to kill an African American or a minority? What percentage? Give me right. numbers. Get, I mean, get get ready, Hannity. Get ready. I'm ready. I'm, gonna I'm ready. Go. You. I'm, I'm going to shock you. You go ahead. You come from a law enforcement family, so that's why you have this misconceived. Ah, oh, but God, they they come to the police force. Get, don't get me wrong. You didn't answer they my question yet. What percentage force? of the police go to work every day hoping they can kill some innocent minority? I don't know. Uh, what specifically, what area, but I know about Chicago. I can tell you about Chicago. Okay, tell me about Chicago. What percentage? Answer the question. Probably about 60%. 60%. What? Now, let me, let's go through this. You're 60%. saying 60%. 60%. So you're pulling this out. 60. So you believe 60% of cops want to go to work wow. and kill an innocent member of their community. Now, that has I'm not been my experience. Right I'm going to stop you right there, Hamley. I'm going to stop you right gonna, there. Oh, you, so have, you go ahead. You stop me. I'm waiting. What? Okay, because they do. They have an unspoken. Okay. They have a, right. an unspoken. Sixty percent. Now you're pulling these numbers out of Chicago. thin air, but I can only sure. tell you. And let me bring Angie back into to the discussion. Right. Yeah. Okay, in, go ahead. In in New York City, ninety-seven percent of June shooting victims were oh. minorities. All of okay. June's okay. July shooting victims, uh, Angie, uh, so yeah. far have been minorities. Um, the police now are afraid to do their job, but most cops I know, just like I talked about. They're not the afraid corrupt- to do their job. Hamley. Excuse me. Stop, excuse stop, excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. No, there They're are f- people that are afraid of their jobs. Guys that are the, the ones who are afraid to do their job. I would, I would those are the minorities. Those are the cops. All right, That's let, let Angie answer. Angie, go ahead. I deal with sheriffs every day. I see them every day. And they are traumatized. They're scared. I live in Phoenix, where the police don't even show up when you call them because they're so scared. I understand. I am an African-American woman. I am from Houston, Texas. But I will tell you this. It's not just about officers killing minorities. You need to focus on walking down the street in Chicago, which I have family in Chicago, when you're going to a bus stop and you get shot. That's not the cop. That's black-on-black crime. So let me ask, let me go back to Mac. All right, Mac, here's my question for you. So, okay, I'm assuming based on your statement you want to defund and dismantle the police. Okay. No, I never said that. That is okay. Not, okay. Not the the, oh, oh, slow down. So then, if if you believe that about sixty percent, which I think is absurd, it, but let's probably go more. Probably, no, uh, probably uh, more. Okay, if you believe that, then what is your solution to end the violence in Chicago? You tell us. Okay, very quickly. Very you quickly. You got to stop. You got yeah. yeah. You got to stop the stop. system, which is system. one side. One side. The 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 um. Well, you got me so excited, I can't even think straight, right? The, I don't think, well, you know why? I don't, I'm going to tell you, Mac, I'm going to listen no, no, to you, but Mac, I don't think you're going to have a good answer. You don't have an I answer, have but tell answer. us. I have a What's your answer. solution? The you tell us. The judiciary and the administrative branches both mm-hmm. are in here. You got foxes on one side and wolves on the other side, and then the, and then okay. the, 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 the minorities, black and white, are in the middle. They're the sheep. And okay, now, now, sorry, okay, oh, sorry, okay. no, put, put, hang on. Here's my question. I asked you, Mac, 
How do you, what is your solution to stop the weekly violence in Chicago? Give me your solution. Very, very, uh, that's a very, very complex question. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, one white person I think has a, has a, he has a shot, but. What's the oh, answer? What's the shot. solution, Mac? You're wasting our time. Uh, it's not that, it's not that easy, Sean, because you got the. So you don't have a solution. Why don't you just admit you don't have one? The only solution I have is better training, non-lethal weapons for cops, mm-hmm. and we need a lot more cops in the big cities and and certainly better community relations. There's my answer, but thank you for the call. Thank you, Angie, as well. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Great lineup. Hannity, 9 Eastern on Fox. Hope you set your DVR. Nikki Haley, Don Jr., Rick Grinnell. We'll get an update from Horace uh, Lorenzo Anderson. And uh, much, much more. We'll see you tonight at 9. Thanks for being with us back here tomorrow.